Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 405 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. Here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not going to ask you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. Most of this episode is going to be reactions to things that have happened this week. Or reactions to topics, reactions to conversations that have been happening this week. Or last week. When you get paid in sports, and honestly, it's it's bigger than sports. It's not just sports, but obviously when you see the absorbent amount of money that gets handed out in sports, that's usually the context of which we speak. But in sports, when you get handed a certain amount of money, whether that's max type of money, whether that's any type of money that you get, your value usually is is attached to that money. Now, you can say in in the grand scheme of things, that is how that's life. You know, you do not go to a job if you don't get paid for it. And they pay you what they feel your value is and what they feel you bring to the company. In sports, it's it's the same exact concept, just a tad bit differently. Or I want to start this episode with is I want to talk to Jordan Poole. And I want to talk about this Jordan Poole situation because a lot of the reasons that we are here with Jordan Poole, a lot of it is because of Jordan Poole, and a lot of it isn't. Now, I'm not absolving Jordan Poole of anything. I'm just discussing where we are at. And where that is is Jordan Poole has been benched for the Washington Wizards. Expectations is a crazy thing. And expectations come with anything, whether big or small, usually have expectations for something. And whatever your expectation is can frame and shape how you view something, especially if those expectations are either met or not met. You can have expectations for a relationship. And if those expectations are not met, you view that person, you may view the relationship differently because those expectations are not met. On the flip side, you may have no expectations for a late relationship and things are just exponentially better than you could have ever imagined. You view that differently. Going into the season, <laughs> There were a lot of expectations that were put on this Jordan Poole move. Obviously, we know about the titular situation that happened at the end of his Golden State Warriors career with Jordan, with uh, Draymond Green and just how the season ended last year. And a lot of people, including myself, was saying that all Jordan Poole really needs is a change of scenery, a change of scenery. We thought, and when I say, let me just say me, I thought that Jordan Poole's game 
was not predicated on playing alongside another ball-dominant player. I thought the way that Jordan Poole played the game of basketball, he needed the ball in his hands. And he needed to be able to – it's kind of like a, a – a painting. It's kind of like a canvas. You need a blank canvas so you can paint your masterpiece. And I felt that the it just was it, it got too crowded and it just wasn't working for him in Golden State. And I thought, seeing as though he was one of the league leaders in scoring, even coming off the bench for Golden State, I thought that he was going to go to Washington and he was going to flourish. Now. That's where the expectation comes in. Flourish for a lot of people means something different. For me, I didn't I understand where the Wizards are right now, which kind of makes this move much worse for Jordan Poole, but we'll talk about it moving forward. I don't expect much from the Wizards because they're actively tanking. We know that you trade all your big pieces whether that's uh Bradley Beal, Christoph Porzingis, you trade all of them in the offseason to get the team that you have. And the team that the Washington Wizards has is not anywhere close to a title contender. It's not really even close to a good team. They are they we know what they're doing. They're 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 doing a youth movement. They're trying to get young. They're trying to tank so they can develop in the draft and and build for the future. So with that being understood, I thought that this would be the perfect situation for Jordan Poole, seeing as though there isn't really much expectation of winning. Even with the expectation and the Stigma attached to a player that has as much money as Jordan Poole has. Again, Jordan Poole is damn near playing on a max contract. It's not a max, but it's it's pretty close to a max. So Jordan Poole, in my opinion, was in the perfect situation, seeing as though you're you're damn near making max contract money. But there's no expectation for you to win because of the team that you're on. All you have to do is go out there and paint your canvas. And that has gone horribly. I thought I thought Jordan Poole was going to lead the league or be very close to leading the league in scoring, seeing as though he wasn't playing in the shadows of Steph Curry anymore. You see, I was building all this expectation up for Jordan Poole. Which makes this moment, to, for me, much worse because never did I see a path that could have got us here. Let me, let me first put this into perspective. Do you know how difficult it is to be benched by a team that is actively tanking. And I understand if you're getting benched because you're just too good. That that has happened before. That when you're more than likely they won't bench you, what they're going to do is they're going to try to stagger your minutes or they're going to ship you out. Because a tanking team, the last thing you want is a player that is too good that can give you wins when you're actively trying to lose. But to be benched, not because you've been a great player, but because you've been that bad is a 
tough thing to do for a team that is tanking. But I started this by saying a lot of this is Jordan Poole's fault and a lot of this is not exactly his fault. Confidence is a huge thing in sports. Confidence is the not the only ingredient, obviously, but the key ingredient for a lot of players to get where they are. You have to have confidence. I'm almost sure. Now, yes, players respect others, and players respect what we're seeing. But if you ask 10 players who's the best player or who per, who they personally think is the best player in basketball or in football or whatever sport they play, probably eight to nine of them are going to say themselves. Now, obviously, they're going to respect you know some of the greats like a Patrick Mahomes or a LeBron James or, I don't know, a Shohei Otani or something, but... The confidence to put yourself in that best player in the world thing is what most players have and what most players need to get over that top. When you do not have confidence or when your confidence has been zapped from you, that is that superpower that makes you, that differentiates you from the other person. And one thing that also gets forgotten is money gives you validation. Money doesn't essentially build you confidence. It could, but it usually doesn't. Money just validates what you've done or what you're trying to do. It doesn't build your confidence. So when people are saying, why is it that you, myself, say that Jordan Poole is lacking confidence? But he's getting paid all that money. Yeah, you, money doesn't equate confidence. Especially in the game of basketball, your play evokes confidence. And Jordan Poole has been awful all season. So I don't know. I don't know. To be honest with you, as a Wizards fan, because obviously I'm born and raised in the DMV area. I'm shocked that it took this long for Jordan Poole to be benched. Now, I understand why it may have took this long, seeing as though Jordan Poole is one of the highest paid players, not just in the or not just on the Wizards, but in the NBA. But I'm shocked it took this long because Jordan Poole has been awful. I went to a game and he was awful. I hear a lot of people talking about his character. And how, you know, he got too big-headed or this, that, and the third. I'm not going to go that route because I don't know Jordan Poole. I don't know him from a can of paint. I don't got no resources. I don't got no, I just know what I'm looking at. And what I'm looking at is a player that has completely lost his confidence. And the thing about Jordan Poole, the thing about some players that play like him is, Confidence is what, how do, I, how do I say this? Their game is fueled by confidence. Jamal Crawford was like that. Jamal Crawford, he, his game was fueled on confidence. 
Now, obviously, he had everything else, but he was a confident basketball player, which is why he was allowed and he was able to do some of the ball handling and, and some of the crazy things that we saw him do on the court. Even his last game, I think he scored 50 points. That's confidence. Now, obviously, it's skill, but it's, it's confidence as well. Jordan Poole, you can every single time I watch a Wizards game, every single time I go to a Wizards game and see Jordan Poole, it doesn't look like he's there. It looks like mentally he's just checked out. And what's unfortunate about this is some basketball minds, some basketball GM, some owner, some team, they have they have their 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 perception of basketball is rigid in a lot of areas. And I fear that this is going to drastically hinder Jordan Poole's basketball career after this remember it was a long windy road to just to get on the on an like to to be a mainstay on an nba floor he went i mean golden state drafted him he played a bunch in the in the g league and he came back and and he completely shaped his game to try to, to be an NBA player. And essentially, he was a extremely important piece for, the, for a championship caliber team. But this also highlights, and I'm not, because I've talked about this before, but this also highlights the difficulty it, it is to be the man on a team. It's different when you're the number one name on the scouting report compared to being the third or fourth. It is, it is a different level of focus that the other team has on you when your name is number one compared to number three or four. And when you're playing alongside Steph Curry, when you're playing alongside Klay Thompson, when you're playing alongside Andrew Wiggins, when you're playing alongside Draymond Green, your name is never going to be first. But when you go to the Wizards and you're presumed to be the man on the team, you're always number one. And as we've seen, at least to this point, because I hope things turn around. I don't know if it will, but. It's looking like Jordan Poole has not been able to take the realm as the face of a team. And that, to me, is probably the only thing that I don't think is his necessary, like, is his fault necessarily. He didn't ask to be the face of the team. But when you make as much as you make, when you're the only person on the team, well, you and Kyle Kuzma are the only two players on the team, I believe, that have a championship. And you were a very important piece to that championship. You're looked to as the leader. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But 
We are here. Jordan Poole is benched. And honestly, I don't... It doesn't seem like... It could be the organization. I don't know. There's obviously things that could happen that I don't know or that we don't know that's happened behind the scenes. But it looks like... Honestly, when you make as much as he makes and you get benched, I don't I don't see a turnaround for you in that franchise, on that franchise. So it looks like it may be curtains for Jordan Poole uh, for the Wizards. I could be wrong, and I may be wrong because who really wants that contract when, when you're not getting the return on investment? It's very hard to move a contract like that, but... I wish nothing for the best for Jordan Poole. I mean, obviously, you're still a wizard, so. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's just tough. It's tough seeing a player that his game thrives on confidence. You can see by the dribble moves and everything. And you look at him, and he just exudes um, insecurity on the basketball court or lack of confidence on the basketball court. Oh, and last thing I'll say about that is if people ask, how do you know he doesn't have confidence? It's very easy, very easy and very simple. Game, game footage, game film tells it all. Look at how Jordan Poole has played on the Wizards compared to what he's played on the Golden State Warriors. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not talking about field goal percentage or three-point percentage. Or Look at how free it looks like he's playing on the Golden State Warriors, obviously before the Draymond Green punch, and look about now. The thing about it is it looks like he is second-guessing himself during the play or second-guessing every move that he does. Compared to Golden State, he was playing free. Now, some of it in Golden State was a little reckless, but it was still free, and it was still confidence-driven. Here in Washington, you can just tell by some of the turnovers and and his reactions to the turnovers. So, yeah, man. It sucks for Jordan Poole, but as unfortunate as it is, as a Wizards fan, I'm kind of shocked that it took this long, you know. Another conversation, and we're going to move on from here, another conversation that I've heard almost all this week is the MVP race and who should be the MVP, who should be in the MVP race. And last episode, I talked about Jason Tatum and I talked about what is holding Jason Tatum back in the in viewers eyes or in possibly voters eyes that he is not a top MVP candidate or he's not I think last time we checked he was like fifth and people were questioning and I think Draymond Green even made comments during the all-star break that Jason Tatum's loss in the finals is affecting how people view him now and how people view his his uh, MVP chances now you can go check out the episode. Again, it was last last or Wednesday's episode, so I'm not going to rehash that conversation. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give my top my top five in the MVP race. Now, unfortunately, 
due to you know the the minutes or the the games that you have to play and injuries this list is different than what it would have been maybe a month or two ago a month or two ago obviously i would have had Joel Embiid as the clear-cut MVP. I mean, he was, at the time, leading the league in scoring. He was a dominant force. He was unstoppable. But because he got hurt and because even if he does come back this season, there's not a shot of him making the MVP, he's not on my list. He's not on my top five. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to give my top five. MVPs, and I'm going to start with number five. Now, again, this conversation is going to tie into another conversation I'm going to have a little later in this episode, and that is the face of the league in a couple years. And what you're what you're going to see, obviously, I'm going to talk about it more a little later. But what you're going to see is the league is is in such a beautiful place. Um, that I'm I'm excited for what is to come. I mean, when you look, a lot of the best players in the league are young. Whether we talk about you know 25 and under, 26 and under. While yes, you still have the 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 mainstays. You still have LeBron, Steph, uh, KD, and all them. Giannis. It, the league is just it, it's it's great and. That's kind of, I guess, highlighted in my top five MVP race. So let me start with number five. At number five, I have Anthony Edwards. Again, one thing that I've talked about here and one thing that I think still is unclear is the requisites that make an MVP in the in the league. Sometimes it's the best player on the best team. Sometimes it's the best pl- it's the player having the best statistical year. Sometimes it's the best player on a team that maybe doesn't have or wasn't viewed as a playoff contender or a really good team, but that player has been great. I don't know exactly what it is. And because of that, I kind of left room for a lot of areas on my MVP list. But when we talk about Anthony Edwards and we talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, when you look at the roster and you look at, you know, the top names on that team, obviously Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, you, you see a, or going into the season, you saw an avenue of them to be being good. But you also saw an avenue of them that oh this and what we've seen the last few years, it, it hasn't it it's there's been a clear ceiling. Well, this year, they're one of the best teams in basketball. I think they're second in the West right now. And I commend Anthony Edwards for being the leader on this team. Now, a lot of it is is sacrifice. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns had to fa- sacrifice being the leader on this team for Anthony Edwards, and Anthony Edwards has taken the reins of that and run with it. I think it's very hard when you talk about the 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 younger players in the league. It's very hard not to 
at least mention Anthony Edwards as one of those players that can be the best player in the league moving forward. Um, and this year he has put on a masterclass of, on how on being a leader of a team and a leader or we just we it's it's it's, it's crazy man now i understand that both both teams are different and the timberwolves are much much better than the wizards but it's interesting how you're seeing anthony edwards be the face of a team and how flawless it it looks like it is for him compared to how jordan Poole has struggled with being the face of a team um now, yes, obviously Anthony Edwards is better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting them in the same class in that sense. I'm just saying that Anthony Edwards has been incredible. And to, in my opinion, he should be fifth, or he's fifth on my uh, MVP race right now. Now, I will say this. This list was a lot more challenging, not because of the names, but because of the placement. Even with Anthony Edwards, I wouldn't be shocked if Anthony Edwards won MVP. I don't think he will, but I wouldn't be shocked. And I wouldn't say, damn, somebody was snubbed. Now, yes, there are some great players in the league, but if you gave it to Anthony Edwards, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Anthony Edwards was cold all year. So there let me just let me just move forward with it. Number 4 I have Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic I think is currently leading the league in scoring. Luka Doncic has the Dallas Mavericks as one of the best teams in basketball and he is he elevated his game which is shocking seeing as of how good he was just a year ago. He has elevated his game in almost every aspect. And I didn't think that a team that had Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving as their backcourt was going to be good. I just didn't I didn't see that because you have two extremely ball dominant players. Now I understand that Kyrie Irving also played with a ball dominant player in LeBron James, but that's that's LeBron James, <laughs> and that's no offense to Luca, and on and honestly no offense to Kyrie, but both Luca and Kyrie thrive with the ball in their hands, and I just didn't think it was going to work. And I don't know. I, I still even and this is no offense to them. I still don't think that this is a championship caliber. Well. They're playing like a championship caliber team, but there's multiple teams that I'd pick over the Dallas Mavericks. But I think that Luka Doncic is having an incredible year. He's, in my opinion, I think he's going to finish the season with a scoring title. And he is going to have the Mavericks in a very good position to make some noise in the playoffs. I, I think the thing that's holding him back for me and why he's not higher on this list is because a lot of what I'm seeing from Luka Doncic we've seen before. It's just on a better scale. And I'm I'm kind of, even though I try not to be, I'm kind of a prisoner of what I've seen and a prisoner of the past. And when we talk about players like Luka Doncic, as far as 
I've seen Luca. I mean, Luca had a seventy-three point game this year. I've seen Luca be one of the best scorers in the league. I've seen Luca put on some historic scoring games. But even with all that, it hasn't really. I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs last year. Now, yes, you can obviously attribute that to a lot of players moving and them getting Kyrie late in the season, but. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Now, I don't think that they're not going to make the playoffs this year, but I just – we've this is the best version we've seen of Luka, but I haven't seen anything new. I'll just say that. Um, and that's no offense to him. I, I, I'm Obviously, I'm not trying to disrespect Luka Doncic. It's just the things that he has been great at, he's been greater at, but I haven't seen any improvement in things that he has struggled with, I guess. The – I'll take that back to in one sense. We have seen Luca struggle mightily playing alongside a star player. I mean, we saw him and, and we saw the obvious ceiling with him and, and Jalen Brunson. We saw an obvious ceiling with him and uh Christos Porzingis. I just I didn't that's that's another reason why I didn't think it was gonna work with Kyrie Irving, but again. I will give him credit for where credit is due. He has been great in that sense. So I have Luca at number four. At number three, I have Nicole Jokic. I think Nicole Jokic is suffering from something that Michael Jordan suffered from, something that uh, LeBron James suffered from, and that is voters fatigue and fandom fatigue. I think people are tired of watching Nikola Jokic. Now, that doesn't take away from how great he is. I mean, just the other night, I think he was he had one of the greatest stat lines in NBA history. I think he went like 15, 15, and 15 on the Wizards, and I think he didn't miss from the field or something like that. So when I say fatigue... There's no question that when Michael Jordan was in the league, there is a strong argument that LeBron, I mean, Michael Jordan should have won MVP every single year he was in the league in his prime. Same thing with LeBron James. LeBron James has been the best player in the world for a majority of his career, if not all of his career. And the fact that he only had four MVPs shows you that there was voter fatigue. I mean, don't get me wrong. No, there's no offense to, to everyone that did win an MVP while LeBron James was still LeBron James. Congrats to you guys. But there is a bit of voter fatigue. There's a bit of fandom or, you know, committee fatigue when they look at LeBron James and Michael Jordan I'm starting to feel the same way about or it seems like you're seeing the same about Nicole Jokic because he's been great he doesn't have the flashiest game obviously but he is one of the best players especially one of the best centers we've ever seen and I don't know seeing as though how people view him how people talk about him I don't know if he's going to win the MVP this year, but I do think that he has done enough to win the MVP. And I think if he continues on, I mean, the Denver Nuggets are, uh, for a lot of people, 
one of the teams that are for sure title contenders, and that is mainly because of the play of Nikola Jokic. So I have Nikola Jokic at number three. I just don't it, – it's hard for me to see, especially how I heard people talk about him in the, the All-Star. Side note. You know what's so crazy? <laughs> uh, let's let's let's. What's so crazy is I was hearing, I, I was hearing people on national TV talk about the MVP race as well, and I was hearing them take points away or validate why someone like Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic should not. Or don't deserve. Let's. That's exactly how they put it. Don't deserve to be MVPs because of their play in the All Star game. <laughs> now, I will be the first person to say that if you needed a poster child or two poster children of, I don't give a f about this All Star game, you would look. You would have the perfect two candidates in Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. They just put on a master class of not caring about the all-star game. But I, th- how in God's name are you going, are people penalizing players for their play in the all-star game when discussing MVP voting? When the MVP has absolutely nothing to do with the All-Star game, seeing as though there is an All-Star game MVP and there is not an ounce of stats that get added because of the All-Star game. Like Carl Anthony Towns scored 50 in the All-Star game. That 50 doesn't get put on his regular season portfolio. Like, what do we talk? I just think it's so interesting how people try to build their narrative and build their uh, argument about a player. And it's, you know, if if an all-star game truly affects how you see a player and their MVP chances, there's a deeper issue there. (laughs) But let's get back to it. Number three, I have Nikola Jokic. Number two, I have Jason Tatum. Now, this goes back to how I started this segment with the NBA, and we need a clear-cut definition of how you determine an MVP. Because, again, multiple years, it's been different criterias. And for Jason Tatum, and I, I think that Jason Tatum is one of the best players in basketball. Obviously, if you're on the MVP list, to me, you're on, you're one of the best players in, in basketball. But there's a lot of people. Like I said, they have Jason Tatum as fifth on, I think it was ESPN. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure. They have Jason Tatum like fifth in the, all, in the MVP voting. But Jason Tatum is the best player on statistically and rank and and uh, standings-wise, the best team in basketball. So the reason the reason why I have him as number two and not number one is mainly because Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown is an all-star as well. And I do, it kind of goes back to the Steph Curry, K, KD conversation when they're on Golden State. The reason why neither one of them even got close to an all 
MVP when they both are on the team is because, for lack of a better term, each both of them took the shine away from each other. And I think that's what's happening with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now, that doesn't take away from the fact that they are one of the best duos in basketball and they have the Cleveland or Cleveland Boston Celtics as the best team in basketball. But when we talk about MVP, I do think that playing on a team that has Jalen Brown, that has Drew Holiday, that has Christos Porzingis, and all of them playing fairly well to an extent, I do think that that's taken away from Jason Tatum. However, I think Jason Tatum, I mean, Jason Tatum is the clear-cut best player on that team, and he is the clear-cut best player on standing-wise, the best team in basketball. And honestly, I keep saying standing-wise out of respect for other teams, but when you look at how the Boston Celtics has played this year, when they're at their best, they have been clear-cut the best team in basketball. So I have Jason Tatum at number two solely because not just he's the best player on the best team, but he's also playing on a stacked team statistically and you know you're playing alongside another all-star whether you can agree if he is an all-star or not that's up for debate for Jalen Brown but I have Jason Tatum at number two now number one I have Shea Gilders Alexander right now to me this goes back to expectation When I talked about Jordan Poole, I said expectations can either enhance or dampen the way that you view somebody, the way that you view something. My expectations for the Oklahoma City Thunder were high, but not this high. When I did my preseason rankings, when I did, you know, sleeper teams and playoff teams the hardest team in my opinion to dissect and to predict was the Oklahoma City Thunder when you have a team full of youth it's very hard to predict because you've seen this on almost every single NBA champion that is that we've seen in the last let's say 10 years. Most of, almost all of them are veteran-related teams. The youngest team I can think of that won an NBA championship was probably the, the, the Nuggets last year. But when we talk about Golden State, I mean, they obviously have a extensive history uh, of veteran leadership. And their veteran leadership is, I mean, Steph, Clay, and Dre. When you talk about the, what, 2020 Lakers, that was one of the oldest teams to win. When you talk about the 2019 um, Toronto Raptors, you had Kawhi Leonard, you had Mark Gasol, you had Kyle Lowry. Usually teams that are youth led in that are heavy with younger players aren't that good in fact i can give you a perfect example when you look at how the thunder are playing compared to how let's say 
the Detroit Pistons are playing. Both teams are fairly young. In fact, these are two of the younger teams in the league. I think the young I think the um I think Detroit's one of if not the youngest team. And you see how how both of their plays are drastically different. Well, a lot of that is because of Shea Gilders Alexander. Even to the point where you have Doc Rivers talking about, I tried to convince uh, Kawhi Leonard to keep, which is crazy that he said that. I can, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it this episode, but there, every single time I hear about Doc Rivers, every single time I hear a story about him, every single time I hear him talk on a podcast or talk on the radio or talk about anything, I it just, it, it kind of irritates me because it's just like, he he just continues to uh, shouts out to JJ Reddick. He kind of said it. Everything, every oh, it, oh god, it just seems like every single time Doc Rivers opens his mouth, he puts blame on somebody else. And he was talking about how he tried to convince Jesus Christ. He tried to convince um, what's his name, Kawhi Leonard that maybe we should keep Shea Gilders and not try to get Paul George. Like, what? But I will say that to say, Shea Gilders, I I knew he was going to be good. I didn't know, coming out of Kentucky, I didn't know he was going to be this good, but how he played for the Clippers, I knew he was going to be good. I knew he had a chance to be one of the better players in in, in the NBA. I didn't think he was going to be this good. I didn't think that he was going to be on that level of, I never thought he was going to be an MVP candidate, let alone right now I have him leading the MVP race. Shea Gildress, he's, he's played himself to that level where, and I talked about this maybe a couple episodes ago, every single NBA champion has had a, that player. And when you have that player, you want to hold on to that player. You need to hold on to that player because not every Every team has that player. Now, every champion has that player, but not. To, and what I mean, that player is the player, a player that can you can build around to to not only be the best player on a championship team, but can will you to it. The Stephs, the LeBrons, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Nikola Jokic's, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's, those type of players. The only team I can think that has ever won a championship in the in recent memory that hasn't had one of those players was the the um the 2003 or 4 uh Detroit Pistons but they had one of the greatest teams we've ever seen whether we talk about Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Rashad Lewis or Richard or Rashid Wallace, I'm sorry. Um Ben Wallace like come on now. But Shea Gilders has turned into one of those players that if you have them, you should not let them go because they can win you a championship. Um, I'm not saying that the Oklahoma City Thunder will win, but what I'm saying is Shea Gilders, because of how much he's elevated his game on both sides of the floor, might I add, Shea Gilders, yeah, he's number one for me in the MVP vote. So... Again, 
And that's 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 my list. Uh, again, I have number one Shea Gildress, number two Jason Tatum, number three Nicole Jokic, number four Luka Doncic, and number five Anthony Edwards. Um, yeah, it's they've been incredible, man. And shouts out to them. I want to talk about football for a second, and I want I want to have a little bit of fun. Now, obviously, free agency is the the season just ended and. This is probably one of the most important times for the NFL and for players in general because free agency means contract negotiations are open. Uh, Players that could be franchise tagged may possibly or players that could be traded. You know, it it, it means the, the start of movement, honestly, for teams. And free agency is where a lot of teams build that championship roster and you also see some teams that have a championship roster that it just because of free agency it just gets blown up so what i wanted to do is i wanted to pick 10 players i want to pick 10 players that are going to hit free agency and i wanted to give them the best fit for them to go now the reason why i said i want to make this fun is because i understand that every single player could be well most of these players could be franchise tagged. Now, most of these players probably will be franchise tagged. I wanted to make it a little more fun, and I wanted to say they have to go to a different team. Each of these players cannot stay at the same team that they're at. So I wanted to give my best fit on the team that they could go to. Um, For instance, let's start with Mike Evans. Now, Mike Evans is the... A pit of me, a pit of me. What the fuck? <laughs> Mike Evans is the epitome of consistency and high level consistency in the NFL. This man continues to get thousand yard seasons year after year after year. In fact, I think he's had a thousand yard season every single year of his career. Now, he doesn't obviously get the love and cachet that a lot of the top rated wide receivers get because for the majority of his career he was playing on a bad team now he had Jameis Winston throwing the ball getting thousand yard seasons but the Bucks weren't that good in fact if it wasn't the one year or the two years they were good was obviously the year that they won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and last year they were they were pretty decent. I mean, they made it to the second round of the playoffs. But Mike Evans has been one of those. Mike Evans is one of those wide receivers that can drastically change the fortunes of your offense. We saw that. We've seen that multiple times. I mean, we've seen that with Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins and the Chiefs. We saw that with Stephon Diggs and the Bills. Mike Evans is on that level. And again, the caveat is these players cannot stay, at least for this game, these players cannot stay on their current team. So I think the best option for Mike Evans would be the Kansas City Chiefs, which is, God, that's scary to think about. Mike Evans having Patrick Mahomes throw him the ball. And we saw last year, even or this year, even though that the Chiefs did ultimately win the Super Bowl, 
we saw that their biggest issue was obviously consistency at the wide receiver position. Well, you ain't got to worry about that with Mike Evans, especially when we talk about consistency and he is a he's a clear cut number one receiver. So uh, for Mike Evans, obviously you're going to a place where you would not only be extremely important and extremely utilized, but you are. I'm not even going to say the missing piece because they just won back to back Super Bowls. Uh, you are you would be a key piece in them continuing their greatness. So I have Mike Evans. Uh, the best fit for him would be the Chiefs. Kurt Cousins was an interesting situation because I could have went a lot of different avenues with Kurt Cousins. I'm going. This is going to sound like hate. It is, and I promise you, it's not hate. It's not. Kurt Cousins is the most consistently average quarterback in the league. Again, I know that sounds crazy and it sounds like hate, but I promise you it's not. And and when I say it's not is, Kurt Cousins, in my opinion, is not that type of quarterback to get you over the hump. He's not that quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl, that can even take you deep in the playoffs but he is a model of consistency and he is i'd say consistently above average he's not superstar but he is a little bit above average i will say that and he is also coming off of i think a torn achilles so i don't know if he's going to be ready i'm almost sure he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season and there is a lot of teams that need a quarterback whether we talk about the atlanta falcons possibly the chicago bears um there's a there there's a there's a good good places for him to go i'm looking at a team that is in my opinion about to be short of a quarterback and I'm not going to say has high expectations, but is about to go into a new regime and about to go into a new direction. And that is the Denver Broncos. I say, I talk about how important it is to have a quarterback and your backup quarterback be eerily similar because the last thing you want to do is have your starting quarterback get hurt and when you bring a backup quarterback that plays absolutely nothing like you're starting it you have to change the offense completely and I'm looking at I'm almost sure I could be wrong obviously you don't know but it it all signs are pointing to the Broncos releasing Russell Wilson meaning that I think Jarrett Stidham is going to be their quarterback and I don't know if they're going to be able to get a quarterback in the draft, but why not bring in Kirk Cousins? Now, yes, he's obviously not going to be ready for the beginning of the season, but when he does get healthy, you give him time to learn the offense, you give him time to learn the players. You have that quarterback that he's not going to win you Super Bowls. He's obviously not going to take you far, but he is going to have that model of consistency, something that you have not seen for this franchise since Peyton Manning. And that's honestly no offense to Russell Wilson. That just is what it is. So in my opinion, I think the perfect fit for uh, 
Kurt Cousins would be the Denver Broncos. So then you have Derrick Henry. Now, this is difficult because you have everything that. Okay, so Derrick Henry, I believe, is from Texas. Derrick Henry trains in the offseason in Texas. Derrick Henry has expressed that growing up, he was a Dallas Cowboys fan. Derrick Henry has, for majority of his career, in fact, ever since, you know, trade talks have been around Derrick Henry or ever since, you know, availability may or may not have been possible for Derrick Henry. The con- the team that you heard constantly that should go after Derrick Henry is the Dallas Cowboys. So obviously, right, I would choose the Dallas Cowboys as the per- best fit for Derrick Henry. No. I think... The best fit for Derrick Henry is the team that you heard had a trade at the trade deadline, had a trade ready for him, but the trade was nixed by the, I think, owner of the Texans or the the Titans, I'm sorry, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens has been a historic smash mouth running team. And with Gus Edwards, you don't know if you're going to be able to keep him or not because he's, in fact, majority of their team is free agents. Um, I think that Derrick Henry would be a perfect option for the Baltimore Ravens playing alongside Lamar Jackson. Not only does it take some of the pressure off of Derrick Henry, which seeing as though he was the complete offense for the Titans his entire career there, it's going to take some of the pressure off so he doesn't have to do as much. And you're playing alongside this. In my opinion, this is the best shot that he would have at a championship or Super Bowl type or best shot that he'd have making it to a Super Bowl playing alongside a two-time MVP in the Baltimore Ravens. And quite as it's kept, the Baltimore Ravens, seeing as though a lot of their players are free agents, they're going to need someone like uh Derrick Henry so I have Derrick Henry the best fit for him would be the Ravens now again I don't know if any of these were going to happen this is just a game that I would like to play and that's what I'm doing we just talked about the Cowboys and we talked about how Derrick Henry a lot of people think Derrick Henry would be the you know the best fit for Dallas and and the reason why that is is because the Dallas Cowboys need consistency at the running back position Tony Pollard was looked to be that, but he he has been anything but consistent. And as we've seen, Dak Prescott hasn't proven to be the player that can lead you to a Super Bowl. Even seeing as though he had his best season last year, if the, if they don't have a solid running game, it doesn't seem like he can really take you far. So, for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to go with an obvious pick. I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley has, I mean, he had one of his best seasons last year. And I think 
the reason why I didn't put Saquon Barkley with the Ravens is because I think the Ravens need a more physical running back. And while Saquon Barkley can be physical, he's more of a shifty uh, east to west, you know, juke you out your socks running back, while Derrick Henry is more of a physical, put my head down, you know, go type running back. And I think that Saquon Barkley in his skill set and his ability to catch the ball in the backfield would be would do benefit or be very beneficial for the Cowboys. So I think Saquon Barkley would be the Cowboys. Ladarius Sneed or Ladarius Sneed. He is one of the best corners in in football. He is one of the main reasons why the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year or this year. And it's going to be incredibly difficult for the Chiefs to keep both him and Chris Jones. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about Chris Jones next. But Sneed, I do think they need both of them, but I just don't see it feasible for them keeping both of them. Now, again, this game is both players are going to have to go to or all the players on this list are going to have to go to a different team. So where do I have Snead going? I think Snead is one of those players that can transform a defense and that can turn your team, especially if you have defensive issues from, you know, just a good team with a hold to a possible championship caliber team. We kind of saw that with, or we thought that with Stefan Gilmore. Now, obviously, age and, and injuries kind of affected that. But he was, I mean, he was a defensive player of the year. I look at the Lions, and the biggest issue that the Lions dealt with last year, and one of the biggest reasons why they didn't obviously advance, is they really couldn't stop the pass. They struggled. Now, they, they're, they're, they just struggled with the pass. And I think Sneed would be perfect for them. You bring a championship caliber pedigree, and on top of that, he's one of the best defensive players in the league. So I I have uh, I think he'd be perfect with the Lions, and I think that him being on the Lions, especially with the young core that they have, this that could be the momentum to get them over the top. Now, obviously, they played in the NFC Championship, but. This team, and you bring on Snead, or you bring Snead, they could be a Super Bowl caliber team. So I have LeJarrius Snead going to the Lions. Then you have Chris Jones. Now, Chris Jones, in my opinion, outside of Patrick Mahomes, was the biggest reason why the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And... I think it's very tough. And I would I I get it, but then I wouldn't get it. The Kansas City Chiefs were hesitant to pay him last year, which obviously is why he signed the one year deal. If you weren't trying to pay him last year, and you're you won a Super Bowl last year, and he was an extremely important part of that Super Bowl, I, it's hard for me to see them paying him this year. So, where would Chris Jones be the best at? Now, I don't – obviously, he's a free agent, so he's going to – and I don't think that he's going to be able to go this way. But, again, we're having fun. <laughs> we're having fun this episode. And I look at a team that is in dire need of defensive leadership and a defensive player. 
And I'm looking at a team that's making a lot of transition right now, but still has a solid, solid, I guess you can say, foundational pieces. And that is the L.A. Chargers. Obviously, due to injury, it's not really working with Joey Bosa. And due to, uh, you know, cap restraints or whatever, more than likely... Khalil Mack might be out of there. Now, again, I don't think that this is going to happen due to the cap trade, but I'm just having fun, and I think that Chris Jones on the Chargers would be perfect, not only for that defense, but for Jim Harbaugh, who is the new head coach of the Chargers, and someone like Justin Herbert, because that's one thing that we saw with the Chargers. Justin Herbert could play great, but they could not sustain leads because their defense would let them down every time. Well, you bring in a Super Bowl caliber player like Chris Jones, that might change some things. So I think a perfect place for Chris Jones could be the Chargers. Josh Allen, the superstar that nobody really talks about because he won. I mean, his name is Josh Allen. <laughs> and I'm talking about the defensive, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen. Um, but he is a superstar that nobody really talks about because he plays for the defense side of the ball, because he plays on the Jaguars, and the focus on the Jaguars is obviously Trevor Lawrence and, and that offense. But Josh Allen's a free agent as well. And um, I think if you put Josh Allen on the Texans with that young core, with D'Amico Ryans as the head coach, with C.J. Stroud, it, boy, man – I mean, the Texans were in the divisional round last year or this year. And uh, as you saw, they struggled mightily stopping Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens offense. Now, yes, they were one of the best offenses in football, but still, they they had a tough time stopping the run. Well, you bring in Josh Allen, that changes a lot of things. Um, and I think that that could put them over the top as well. Another defensive player I have is Brian Burns, another superstar that nobody really talks about because he plays on a bad team, and that is obviously the Carolina Panthers. Now, you've heard him in a lot of uh, tagging trades or signing trades, but the, the trigger's never really pulled. But for Josh, I mean, for Brian Burns, I think we talk about Atlanta and the Falcons a lot, and they have a really good team as far as the offense side of the ball. You have big names, whether we talk about B. John Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. They have good offensive pieces, and they have good defensive pieces, but their defense is not that good. Even with, uh, was it Jarrett? Uh, it, it's not that good. But you bring in Brian Burns, a, a captain and a vet, That'd be great for him, and that'd be great for the Falcons, especially seeing as though they're probably going to get a new quarterback um, this offseason. So I think Brian Burns would be perfect for the Falcons. Justin Adebike. Now, if we're talking about, in, in the realistic way, if we're talking about one player that the Baltimore Ravens cannot afford to let go, that is Justin Justin Matabike, like at all, <laughs> at all. And I don't think they will let him go. But for the sake of this game, he is a free agent. And 
I look at a team that is in desperate need of a defensive tackle, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, they have a lot of issues and a lot of holes. One of them is the defensive tackle, and you're getting a guy that was amongst the league leaders in sacks. I think that Justin Matabike would be perfect for the Cardinals. See, you also got Marquise Brown. He's a free agent, but he played for the Ravens, so that connection there, even though I don't think they played together. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I have uh, Justin Matabike for the Cardinals. The last person I'm going to talk about is T. Higgins. I wanted to have a little bit of fun. (laughs) And... uh, I'm going to tell you why I think the best fit for T. Higgins is the Commanders. I know everyone is about to, they're starting to type. I get it. Last episode, or a couple of episodes ago, I talked about the importance of decisions in the new regime. Uh, when when you're when you're getting a new coach, when you're getting a new GM, and this in this instance, a new owner, a lot of the decisions that you make now affect the future. And Washington is in dire need of a consistent quarterback. I mean, they have the number two overall pick. You have a lot of people speculating that they could possibly try to draft trade up to get Caleb Williams. What I'm saying is if you nine times out of ten, they're gonna get a quarterback in this draft. And while well, yes, you need offensive line help, you need defense death drastically you don't want to bring a quarterback into a situation and not have legit offensive weapons because that's obviously going to hinder not not only their growth but the offensive growth now you have Terry McLaurin but you don't really have that number two receiver well you bring in T Higgins that'll be perfect I don't think it's going to happen, obviously, but I would love to see T. Higgins in a Washington Commanders jersey. I think that would be a perfect fit for them, especially seeing as though you're about to draft or get a quarterback. I think that would be smart. So, um, yeah, obviously I'm not going to go over all the free agents, um, but those are some of the names that I had in mind. So let me know what you think. And lastly, before we go, the – Unpopular topic of the day. Positions were made for a novice to follow the game. Positions were created i.e. point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, quarterback, wide receiver, uh, tight end, running back, so that the novice can follow the game better. And the same thing, for lack of a better term, can be said for the quote-unquote face of the league argument. Now, this conversation is obviously more present in basketball because in football, they don't really like there to be a face of the league, which is why their logo, the NFL logo, is a shield, in which, which is why they don't really promote players as much as they promote teams. 
So this conversation is going to be obviously centered towards basketball. When we talk about the face of the league, the NBA, the reason why there has been a face of the league and the reason why that they pushed the face of the league for a while is because there's always been a player that has either been the best player, most, most, most promotable player. There's always been that player that you can look that is going to draw novices or draw people that maybe didn't care about the sport as much, but draw them to it. This this conversation wasn't hasn't really been wasn't really prevalent until Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan was the face of the league for a while. You can argue that before him, obviously, it was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. But the clear cut face of the league that I can remember vividly was Michael Jordan. And since Michael Jordan. There has been arguments about, you know, was it Kobe? Was it Shaq? Was it? you know, Tim Duncan, but the clear cut face of the league since I'll say 2000 and let's say five or six possibly has been LeBron James. And there have obviously have been players that have rivaled that. That is Steph Curry. That's Kevin Durant. And the conversation most since all-star break has been who is going to be the face of the league uh, when LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant leave because obviously they're all older. They're all closer to the end of their career than the beginning. LeBron James has been the face of the league and probably been the best player since like 2005 or six, you can say. And... The reason why the face of the league has been so important is because not just marketability, but because of connection to the game. When LeBron, when Michael Jordan left, there was a good maybe three or four years that the league struggled both with popularity, with fandom, because there wasn't that player that they could really attach to. That doesn't mean that there wasn't good players, but there just wasn't that player that they can attach to. And Michael Jordan was it for them. The question has been, who is going to be the face of the league when LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant leave? And I think... Again, I think I've said this before, but I don't think that there will be a face of the league. And I and I think that that's okay. Not because, you know, these players aren't good or not because the league is going to suffer or anything, but I think with social media and with just the sheer talent that is in the league, I don't I th- I don't think there will be a face of the league and I think that the league will still thrive and still flourish. I mean, we just again earlier in the episode I talked about the MVP and I talked about who was in my top 5 MVP. Well, 
a lot of them are young. I mean, again, Anthony Edwards, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, Shea Gilders Alexander. I didn't mention someone like a John Morant. I didn't mention someone like a Victor Wimbanyama. I didn't mention someone like, let's say, hmm, someone like a Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker. I think the league needed a face of the league in the Michael Jordan era or the LeBron James, early in the LeBron James era. I don't think they need a face of the league now because of social media and because of how a lot of these players have ventures and have their own platforms outside of the sport and just how good these players are. Again, you still have someone like Zion Williamson. Even on the Oklahoma City Thunder, Chet Holmgren is a great player. There there are so many good players, great players scattered around the league. And because that we're in a new day of age where players are so easily obtainable compared to when they were early in LeBron James' career, early in Michael Jordan or in Michael Jordan's career. I don't think that there will be a face of the league, but I also don't think that the league will suffer because of how great it is. Again, I had Shea Gilders as my number one option for the MVP this year. Let me just take a gander at how old Shea Gilders is. Shea Gilders is 25 years old. Anthony Edwards, I think, is like 23 or 24. All both great players. And imagine if Zion Williamson gets his uh, his weight and his injury history together or John Morant comes back and wrecks the league or again, Luka Doncic, who is leading the league in scoring, I believe, or Nicole or Joel Embiid, who would be the MVP if it wasn't for injury. All of these players, Lord will, Lord, Lord willing, knock on wood, are going to have long, incredible, successful careers after LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. Again, this is not taking away from the players that have played in the league, the players that played with LeBron, the players that played with Jordan. But... Again, social media plays a huge part in today's society. And I think that that also is going to play a huge part in the league thriving without there being a face of the league because they needed a face of the league with Jordan and with LeBron James and arguably with Kobe and with You can say Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. I don't think they need a face of the league. They just need, because they have so much talent, that it would be a disservice to say, oh, that's the face of the league, and just completely discredit a bunch of great players. So that's my opinion. (laughs) I think the league is in great hands. The fact that I believe that a 25-year-old is about to win MVP is crazy. In my opinion, I could be wrong, but hey. And you still have someone like Giannis, and you still have someone like Jason Tatum, very young. The league is in good hands when LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant are ready 
because I, I, I feel a lot of people are trying to push them out right now are ready to, to hang it up. And that's not even mentioning the players that will be coming into the league. Again, I've said this before. The, the NBA has never been more skilled and there has never been more talent in the league. So, yeah, man. I don't think there will be one. So, we'll see, you know. Uh, and there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, man. I'm trying to get as many subscribers as possible. I appreciate everyone that has followed or subscribe and continues to subscribe it means a lot if you like the content tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe you know if you get to this point and haven't subscribed I, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> also all the people that listen on my D, on the dsps whether that's apple podcast uh, spotify soundcloud please follow please subscribe you guys are extremely important as well i apologize for wednesday's episode i didn't know that it didn't um the reason why all the DSP listeners got the episode on Thursday instead of Wednesday is I didn't know that it didn't uh, upload on Wednesday, which it usually for people that do listen to the DSPs, you know that it usually up, uploads Wednesdays and Saturdays at 12 midnight. But some reason I it didn't. So I do apologize about that. But hey. I appreciate you guys just as much as I appreciate the YouTube listeners because I understand that, you know, those are two different lanes and some people just listen to the YouTube, some people just listen to the DSP. So I appreciate both of you guys and please subscribe to wherever you listen or watch. Also, please follow the socials, follow Instagram, follow TikTok. I try to post daily. I If, if you want to connect with me, if you want to get, you know, debate something, that's probably the quickest and, and best place to get to me again keep it respectful if you keep it respectful and i have time i'll definitely uh respond but yeah uh just so follow the follow the socials and until next time much love <laughs>